Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Folks, we have a truly legendary guest on the pod today. The original futurist herself, Faith Popcorn, makes her long overdue appearance on the Marketing Futures Podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting Faith very early in the life cycle of Marketing Futures, and every time we get together, I feel like I've taken an honest-to-goodness trip to the future. Now, I'd like to share that experience with you. Join us in the year 2035, where your meta life is in full swing, enabled by brain chip interfaces, microdose cocktails, and an effectively endless, limitless virtual world. No DeLoreans needed. Let's start the show. Everybody, get ready. Because today, in the ANA Marketing Futures virtual podcast studio, we have the original futurist. And much more importantly, a dear, dear friend of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, Faith Popcorn is on the pod today. Get excited. Faith, thank you so, so, so much for being a guest. Thank you for asking me. I'm really, I well, you know I love you, Michael, and um, it's really good to be here. And you know the feeling's mutual, and I just can barely contain myself. Um, so for the four people listening who might not know who you are, let's get them up to snuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to found Faith Popcorn's Brain Reserve. Well, it, yeah, it was a little bit mystical. I mean, I, I'm a sixth-generation New Yorker. I went to performing arts, high school of performing arts. I wanted to be an actor. But no, my parents made me go to college. And then, you know, soon after, I did not want to go to law school. Both my parents are lawyers. And then I um, I started this company when I was like 26 years old. And it evolved. I was always good at figuring out what's going to happen. You know, maybe mm-hmm. when you have like a dysfunctional family, you're just always like thinking like, what's going to happen? <laughs> so I got really good at that. And, um, and then it just grew. And I think the thing that packaged it up was when I wrote the Popcorn Report, 1988. Mm. And that broke my work up into like different, I don't like to call them trends because trends is like gotten so like misused. So I call them forces or mm. truths. And now we have 17 truths in our bank and we have 10,000 futurists in our talent bank. So we can call on the most brilliant futurists in the world and, you know, figure out what they're working on. And usually what they're working on is what's going to happen. It's really not that complicated. What's complicated is getting your clients to believe it. And you've had a lot of adventures through the years of the, the clients who said yes and the clients who said no. Yeah. It's crazy. I my One of my favorite stories of yours is that the, the good folks at Kodak wanted you to find the future of film. What did you tell them? digital and they said excuse me we said film and i said well excuse me i said digital is the future of film they got very aggravated with us i think it's the only time that we've been discontinued in an assignment Mm -hmm. and um you know it wasn't a happy ending for them i'm not saying i mean i didn't wish them that certainly and then you know we had experience with png they're brilliant but they did not really catch on to home delivery took them a, a while and we told them pretty early, like, you know, in the mid 80s, maybe everything's going to be home delivered. Don't worry so much about Walmart. And um, sure enough, yes, 
So, and then you're going to ask me what we predicted that didn't happen. I mean, you could, I mean, it's, I, I doubt anybody's uh, batting a thousand on the, the future. Well, we've batted 95%, but the 5% I hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about the metaverse and living an alternative life and these kinds of things uploaded, we'll talk about it if you want to, uploaded consciousness so you don't have to face death and things like that, it's still a little hard for people to wrap their minds around and say, oh, that's interesting. They say, oh, that's not going to happen. So... Well, Faith, you just segued us perfectly into the bulk of the conversation we're having today. Everybody get ready. We are jumping forward in time to the year 2035, where a fully realized metaverse has become an integral part of most of our lives. But before we get there, I want to kind of talk about the journey that we're going to take to arrive there. Now, what do you see changing in this world? Do you see massive you know, institutions falling and being replaced? Or is this going to be a gradual evolution of the world we already live in? Half gradual and half instantaneous. Um, you'll see a lot of companies starting in the metaverse, so they don't have to be gradual. What companies are doing and they're making the mistake of doing is replicating themselves, mm -hmm. their bricks and mortar selves into the metaverse. That's really a waste of your money. And uh, it, it takes a lot of imagination to realize we're going to be living a dual life to the one we're living. And then there's how many, you know how people kid around and go like, oh, all my personalities and stuff. But here's a chance to really become more than you mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. have many different avatars and expressions so I think that's going to be very sticky. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really going to extend the possibilities of who you can be. I mean, like there are people I'm sure who don't feel safe in the location that they are to be a thousand percent themselves. When you can be in a replicated world, but anywhere in the world, I mean, that is going to hopefully give people the confidence to really, truly be themselves fully. I know I was interviewed recently on a Unilever film they're doing, and I was interviewed by a frog. Now, <laughs> you'd give different kind of answers when you're interviewed by a frog. I would imagine. You know, it's more jumpy. It's more playful. It's greener. And it was very cool. So I think we're going to see that a lot. We're going to have pets in the metaverse. We're going to ride beautiful horses. And dragons in the metaverse, we're going to um, meet people that we never would have met before. We're going to play games. A lot of it is going to take place in the metaverse. So actually, that kind of a, a part of that I wanted to get your opinion on of as to in, you know, 2035, how much of our lives are going to be lived in the metaverse? Let's see this 2020. I always get mixed up with the years now. 2023, let's say uh, a lot. People in the talent bank are working on this. As soon as we can rid ourselves of the Oculus to go in, mm. that's how fast it's going to happen. It's going to not be like incremental. You're going to have like a lens in your eye. You're going to have a small room in your house that was a closet, fitted out. You'll be able to walk in and travel. And I talked about this actually in 88 in the Popcorn Report. You're going to be walking into a closet and go. I didn't have the metaverse yet to say, but I knew that the desire for escape was in our bank. It's called the fantasy adventure. Mm. So to have like ventures and fantasies of adventures, that's why if you're going to translate a supermarket onto the metaverse and you show aisles, you're missing. You know, you should show like, you know, some avatar jumping around the tomatoes, talking about sourcing, talking about cooking, 
imaginary places, music. I know you're a big musician, Michael. You know, mm -hmm. music, they're just, it's flat now. It's very flat because people don't believe in it. Yeah, and it's almost like they're not allowing their imaginations to fully unroll themselves in the metaverse. Yes. It, it in, in my head, it's kind of like, traveling halfway across the world and eating dinner at McDonald's. It's like you, you're missing the point. The point is to experience new and the point of the metaverse is to deliver new experiences. That's right. That's exactly well put. Krista Kim, who I adore, she's in our talent bank. Um, you should look at her Mars house. You know, she built a mm. house, right? And she built it in the metaverse and then she built it in bricks and mortar and sold it, I think, for $515,000. But she's keeping going because now she has, I forget what she calls him, but he's a—he's an avatar. He's a bot. He's kind of half human, half not. And if you go on Krista Kim, you can meet him. And he is the evolution of what humanity is going to look like Man. in metaverse. That is crazy. This is See, this is why we need you on the pod. We got to be oh. looking beyond the horizon. And this is kind of the, the crazy stuff. Now, you touched on something that I'd love to just chat a little bit more about that, like the kind of everybody's going to have a room where it's sort of designated for you to enter the metaverse in this right. physical space. What are the kind of physical items or spaces that are going to supplement this? Because one thing in my head that you think about is like, if I'm in an expansive, limitless metaverse, what does walking around feel like if I have a, you know, one bedroom apartment? But you won't feel like that. I mean, you're going to go in, you might, there might be some microdosing involved. We, you know, cause we're so traditional. We still haven't crossed, you know, what a microdose and the metaverse could look like, but you are going to fly, you know, you don't question it when you get in an airplane. Where is it going to go? You know, it's going to go. So it's going to take off. Mm -hmm. Same thing with that closet. You're going to go in and take off. And it's interesting because people with disabilities, think about it, are going to be able to go anywhere in the world and interact with people. I mean, people with memory issues, the metaverse could recall, you know, the times where they were younger and bring them back there. So it's going to have like some wonderful medical aspects to it and help people. Um, but yeah, you're going to go, you're just going to go. I, and you see that the funny thing is the second you started kind of explaining it, I realized that I just put my vision of the metaverse in a box by saying, how are we going to walk around? Mm -hmm. Why would we need to walk in a metaverse where anything's possible? Right. Yeah. And I think that that might be one of the challenges marketers are having is because they're so often forced to deal with limitations, you know, uh, you know, art is limitations, but this challenge is really the limits are your imagination and kind of the, the blocks that, that you put on it or don't. Exactly. It's an interesting challenge to marketers. Well, I think they're going to be new kind of marketers. It's very hard to adapt when you're used to certain spaces like television. We still have a hard time telling clients people are buying from the socials. You know, you're spending your whole budget in television. It should be the reverse. And uh, if they can't buy that, it's going to be a little bit, It's it might be a new crop of marketers, meta marketers that do that. There's a company now called Journey. I don't know if you know them. Oh, Kathy Hackles. Yeah. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. You know, it's Andy Zimmerman, who is X-Frog, uh, started a company called Journey, bought like a million companies. 
they're doing a lot of strategy, new kinds of strategists, new kinds of vision for the metaverse. So it's not going to be your PNG MBA marketer. Social media showed how differently the world can look in 10 years. Right. And the metaverse is probably going to make that feel like a blip, you know, looking backwards at exactly. it. Exactly. You're so right. So you, another thing that you mentioned, but I'd like to just kind of unpack a little bit is identity in the metaverse, being able to be everybody you are in different spaces. What? What's that going to be like from the perspective of a marketer trying to engage with a person who now may be five different versions of themselves? You need five different strategies, don't you? And they're not going to cross over. Mm -hmm. And even more, I wouldn't say alarming, but different is that you're going to have avatars in IRL in real life. So you could have an avatar that takes your kids to school. You could have an avatar that like, you know, meets somebody for lunch at the same time. So this dual personality thing is, I think, a new way of looking at humans. Yeah. What becomes possible on a lot of different levels, you know what I mean? If you can automate some of the actual IRL things that you have to do in life, yeah, you know, the optimist in me that that feels like it's going to free up a lot of space for you to do the things that expands you as a human being. I'm hoping that that's how it, the cards kind of draw out. Play out. You know, I was saying to somebody, you're going to go to work. So now you have, you know how you take your laptop back and forth, back and forth? Well, you're going to take your robot back and forth, back and forth. Your robot's going to be at work with you, help you, like be your fabulous assistant, more fabulous than anything you ever had in your life. Then you're going to go home, you start to go home. Let's say you're driving home. Your robot's going to drive you home. Now, people are, your robot's going to drive you home. And I go, think Tesla. Your robot's driving you home. But then when you get home, your robot jumps out of the car, you know, and makes you the perfect martini, makes dinner, cleans the house, tutors the kids, all of this. So we're already looking at divergence in how we look at humanity. And, um, you know, it's definitely coming. Yeah, this is just all very eye-opening. So now that we've got a pretty good picture of how integral the metaverse is going to be 10, 15 years into the future, are there any brands you see now that seem to be positioned well or seem to be understanding the implications about this and that have already kind of started putting the winning steps together for us thriving in the metaverse? I would say no. When they think metaverse, they think gaming, you know, so, so Walmart's done a, like a beautiful job in a way, creating games and they've gotten a lot of attention for this, but that's not Walmart exactly in the metaverse. I, I think the opportunity is going to be with um, travel brands, mm -hmm. ships, planes. I was thinking, you know, destinations that you might, can you imagine say, instead of saying like sunny Puerto Rico, you can actually go in and really experience it, not as a picture, but as you diving in. And there's gonna be like into the ocean, let's say. So there's gonna be um, sensory ability with the metaverse. Already they're working on it. You're gonna be able to feel hot, cold, squeeze, you know? So it's really not a picture or not a film that you're an independent watcher 
distanced from the experience, you're going to be in it. Mm -hmm. And with smell, you know, scent and taste and touch. Is that kind of technology going to be somewhere along the lines of Neuralink, where we're using our synapses and our senses? So less something that is making your hand wet on the outside and more making you perceive the feelings of being in the ocean, being warm, being cold. Am I kind of, am I jabbing in roughly the right direction? No, I think it could easily be Neuralink. You know, Elon Musk is working right on Neuralink. Yeah, it could be Neuralink. People are going to be a little bit like worried about Neuralink because you're going to have to slip a little chip into you. And that's the next thing. We're going to have to actually bind with technology. It has to be not separate, not outside, but interior in your interior. So I say to people, like, if you have a, a, a like a, a new knee, you know, mm -hmm. you are, have actually created part you in robotic terms. So don't be scared of slipping a, like a little Lincoln, and then you can go so much more freely. The idea is that we have to hold our phones. It should be in the air and everything should be in your fingers the neural links. So the idea that you have to even think of a code to get in somewhere and certain places you do have a little chip, you can go in, but that's as far as they've gotten. If a cop stops you and says, I want to see your license and registration, no more scrambling. You just like put it up there, you know, in the air. It's, it's quite a, a moment of transition. It really is. And I think that you're right. I think, you know, pacemaker uh, contacts in your eyes. I think that People don't realize we're already on this journey. And we've said this before. One of my favorite quotes is people uh, overestimate what can be done in a year and underestimate what can be done in 10. And exactly. I think that that's, yeah, that's really going to be the kind of realization, I think, for a lot of today's marketers as we get closer and closer right. to meta life. Right on. That's exactly right. So Faith, if you don't mind, I'd like to pivot the podcast just a little bit and ask you some questions that we ask all of our guests. Is that cool? Sure. All right. Well, this first one is, I believe, very near and dear to both of our hearts. It's open deliberately. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? My initial thought is we have a long way to go. You know, we have um, a force in our trend bank called planning. Planning is about like types wanting to be together. And it's the opposite of diversity because we want to be with people that are feel like us mm -hmm. and come mm -hmm. from similar backgrounds, et cetera. So the idea that we can shove people of different backgrounds together and expect them to really get along and produce, I think is a myth. I think equity is important. You know, the idea of like fair pay and not having certain people like, you know, women or different ethnicities get paid less. That does, that seems good. The exposure of how much you're earning. Inclusion, I back to that equity thing. You can force inclusion, but until you have a shared purpose, you don't have it. You know, you're not getting it. And the same thing about people not wanting to come back to work. You can make them, especially if a recession is coming, you can make them show up. But let me tell you, I, I think I talk to more CMOs, EVPs, presidents, chairmen. It's a struggle. If they don't want to come back to work and you make them come back, you have a resistance and a workforce. It's why unions are starting to sprout up so that they can get representation and be angry out loud. 
And, uh, you know, I don't think it's really working. It's very hard for us to believe that the office is dead. Mm -hmm. But until you make the office, not an office, but like a salon or something fabulous, we're working with a couple of companies and not giving people lunch or, or things or snack bars, but making it a place to learn and grow where your children are welcome. I mean, with all diversity, inclusion, inclusion, and diversity, and stickiness, and people not want, where's childcare? Yeah. In all this. Or elder care. Yeah. And I think you're so right. I think purpose, that is such a huge thing. Like, if there's a reason for me to go in, if I'm going to be interacting with the team and doing this, and then when I need my alone time, I can be alone at home that feels like there's a reason for doing things. I think that the hamster wheel stopped in 2020 and the idea that we're all going to get back on it. Yeah. It's just not in the cards. That's a beautiful way to put it. The hamster wheel stopped. You let the captives out mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not coming back. Faith Popcorn. What is your favorite album of all time and why? Well, you know, I've written an album. I do know that. About the future. Mm-hmm. I haven't dropped it. It's a little bit terrifying. Like one song is the end of retail. One song is about slow boat to Mars, like what Elon, Elon's working on. So. so that can't be my favorite album. I'm hooked on Patsy Cline. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. Her voice yeah, I is love her. absolutely singular. And I like forties music. I like Chris Connor, mm. the Beatles, of course. Of course. I'm addicted to TikTok radio. Mm. I love rap. Love that. I was actually going to ask, what are you listening to nowadays versus the all-time favorites? What's interesting you now, whether it's like an artist, a song, a podcast, a book, what's really got your synapses firing lately? I just completed Clara in the Sun. Hmm. Uh, which is a book about a robot companion to a young girl. I love science fiction. Just looking over here, of course, Ministry of the Future. Mm. Anything that is about alternative realities, alternative creatures, um, the theory that we're living uh, side by side with different times, you know, different, Mm -hmm. you know, replicative lives i'm quite fascinated with that it's yeah yeah i mean uh kurt vonnegut is maybe my favorite author of all time and just his idea that time is every moment of time exists at the same time and that we we just happen to be looking at it through a keyhole you know on a on a train track we're just getting to see a little bit of it at a time but it's really all around us always um, things like that, I just love to kind of ruminate on. And, and I'm working with a, a friend of mine. Her name is Kate Newland. You should interview her sometimes. She's a very interesting person, a writer. So so everybody goes like, how come you know what's happening? You know, why is it that you've been so accurate? So it's a, it's a bit of a takeoff on that about how these uh, Islings, these creatures of the future are informing a futurist of what's coming. Mm. And how the world responds to her messages. Oh, same that's old, cool. Same old. Yeah. Saying, no, that's not going to happen. No, that's not going to. But I mean, she knows 
in, but she can't tell anybody if she, if she told one person once they just die they have to die if she tells it you know mm. let's say if i if i if i tell you the secret i'll have to kill you i mean that kind of thing yeah so <clears throat> trying to answer that question about um future knowledge about reading the newspaper of 2040 and how would you use it most greedy people like we all are would just buy mm -hmm. the right stocks mm -hmm. Because you could see what's going to happen. Well, that's really the messages we're trying to bring to people, to companies. Like, it's like knowing what's going to happen. It, it increases your stock price. You know where it's going. You you make you make stuff that answers the questions that people will have. We do near near future, mid future, far future. Mm -hmm. All of our assignments are near mid far. So even near future, we're we're not making stuff that answers those questions and we're still trying you know people humans it must be an instinct try to gallop backwards they, mm -hmm. no matter how much you say to them people aren't going to come to the office or you know people are going to do this people are going to do that they just try to gallop backwards to the way it was because that's the thing they can predict the past mm -hmm. so it's a tough sell i don't know if i would have done this if i had a choice I did not have a choice. I mean, it was like a, a calling or a mission or mm -hmm. I had to do this. But if it's I didn't have clear. to do this, I wouldn't do, be doing this. I Yeah, I don't doubt it. But it is, I can tell and could tell from like the first time we met that this was absolutely, like you said, you had no choice in that thing. That's when, when people ask me why I'm an or yeah, not why I'm an artist, but it's like, oh, you think you're going to ever stop that? It's like, I can't. I don't no. have a choice in this. I don't, no. you know, yeah, it's <clears throat> if I could do something that was like a little more guaranteed to be successful every time I do it, probably do it. But this is this is my but life. So and I'm not going to deny that, it. that you, Michael, are too an artist in the business world like me, you know, painting mm -hmm. the landscape of the future. You know, it's an artist in the business world. Well, let me tell you what gets rejected so fast in the business world is art. Yep. Absolutely. It it does, but it's also been like my secret weapon my entire career, you know, um, because it's, um, well, you know, as funny as it is, we both grew up wanting to be actors. That's actually yeah. why I moved to New York City. Uh, and my mom was like, okay, you can do it, but can you please not major in acting? Can you get, get any other major? And I went into your media studies. So now it all looks like I had a grand plan from the start, but I absolutely didn't. But just the idea of being able to make connections that aren't already established and being able to get show my enthusiasm behind things and my ability to sound design and, and produce. That's why I even have this podcast. I agree with you that it's doesn't when it's put right in front of the C-suite, it, it really doesn't have a great batting average, but there is something in the essence of art that really I feel gives you an edge in the business world. Yeah, I've been trying to explain to clients forever. Tell me if you can understand this, that to have a successful brand, you have to purchase people's mind space and you can purchase it before the actual product is delivered. And that's about capturing their imagination, starting to talk to them about what's coming, um, you know, finding that little piece of real estate in their by mind <laughs> mm -hmm. that you can own. And then you start to come out with the products that could fulfill it. And 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Because people are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. Because right now, I mean, material needs are more or less, I'm not saying equitably and for everybody and, and in a just way, but they exist. You know, if you're hungry, you can eat. If you need to get somewhere, you can drive. If you need to, you know, like the, the, the needs and the jobs to be done are kind of addressed. So how are you going to differentiate from a thousand other mouse traps? And it needs to be something. And all of us from the most analytical down, make emotional decisions and then rationalize them afterwards. Right. And so if you're not there, if you're not capturing the imagination, like you said, there's just not, there's no logic that's going to trump an emotional urge ever. So that, and that can only be done through like great storytelling, through being a really fascinating, genuine, authentic organization, um, being bold, doing things that are not safe and not trying to go for the blandest, biggest number of people. Like that revolution happened in past, you know, being able to have the spend and the broadcast and the reach that's done. You know, the, the remnants of it, the death rattle still goes on, but this is all about stories and connecting to people who are more and more disillusioned with everything how can you bring that back? There's nothing but humanity and character and love and like that kind of stuff. That's it. That's the currency of the future. So Michael, we could sit here all day and brainstorm what companies are distributing, disseminating love. Mm-hmm. That's the question. <clears throat> I, I'm trying to think of one. I can't. That's not what they sell. And yet, What's the most attractive thing to humans being, you know, being cared for, being loved, being valued, mm-hmm. but not, none of this is like mixed up. We're selling price. We're selling efficacy. We're selling taste, you know, some of the base, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not selling a company that really cares about you because if you could sell a company that, you know, if you could really be that company, you could sell subscriptions. They wouldn't le- look at anything else. Companies that have a lot of products, you know, if they could sell that or or be that, I should say, not sell it, be it. Mm-hmm. You could, you could, nobody would ever buy a competitive product. Yeah, that's it. Faith, before I let you go, uh, I know you are a, a busy woman with a lot to do. I'm um, not too busy for this. I'm not. Oh. You're the best. If people are just on the edge of their seat, they want to know more, they want to follow you and, and see what you're up to. How can people learn more about you and the brain reserve? So it's uh, faithpopcorn.com is our website. It has a lot on it. Um, I answer my emails, believe it or not, is fpopcorn at faithpopcorn.com. We answer every email. So fpopcorn is faithpopcorn.com. And um, yeah, or just beam me up. Mm-hmm. Faith, I honestly could not think of a better way to spend my Friday than chatting wow. with you about the future. Thank See, you so, so much. You're distributing love all over the place, Michael. It's the thing to do and it feels good too. So yeah, well, they're lucky to have you at the ANA. They're very lucky to have you. You know, I'm glad this is an audio medium so I can blush as much as I need to right <laughs> now, but thank you so much for being a guest on Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? 
shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.